Hi, and welcome to Bloody Good Reads. I am your host, Mark Goddard. And again, as every week, I am joined by another amazing guest. Uh, he is the author of the upcoming horror novel, Bone Harvest, and the author of many, many novels before that as well. Our guest this week is James Brockton. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank you for popping on, as we do on this podcast every week. Have a quick chat. Basically, I don't know, we get to know you, to know your work, and uh, see what your free bloody good reads are going to be this week. Uh, that's some interesting. That's some interesting choices the last last ten episodes. So I'm very interested to see what yours are. So I never know what the books are before, before you guys come on. So, um, I'm I'm I'm, I'm uh, not worried. Uh, you haven't asked me to tell you what they are in advance, so this could get interesting. Cool. <laughs> as I ask every every guest right at the start of the podcast, uh, what got you into the genre? What got me into the genre? It was um, it was actually it was it was my cousin in law uh, in 1985. Really, I was 15, and uh, we just moved from Australia to live in the UK to sort of like be reunited with the extended family. Mm. And my my cousin had, had married a, a footballer of all people. And um, and uh, he said, oh, "What do you read?" Oh, I, I'm, at the time, I was mostly reading fantasy. And he said, "Try, try this." And it was a book by someone called James Herbert, mm-hmm. and it was called The Rats. Um, you, you, are, that. you are the fourth person on this podcast to bring up the rats. It's a, it's, it's a popular one <laughs> among horror authors, from the sounds of it. I think, yeah, of a, of a certain of a certain age and era. I think, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> No, that was fine, and and that was yeah, that was that was that was uh, quite gruesome and fabulous. So uh, so then I, I churned through all of those, and yeah, just kind of sort of my 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 taste started veering towards the dark side, so to speak. Brilliant. Let's start from the beginning. Um, so what okay. got you into the taste of wanting to do writing? Because you started off doing short fiction, am I right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've always. Written. I mean, as a, as a kid, I was always scribbling little stories, and um, you know, I so I had this idea for a, a novel I wanted to write about, and ley lines and monsters in the alleyways and that, that kind of thing. And I, I wrote that, and I rewrote that, and I rewrote that about three or four, five, six times, and it, it was getting nowhere. And I thought, well, you know, what, what what's the professional thing on TV? Um, and sort of one thing led on to another. Um, I got to meet some very nice people who introduced me to some other very nice people. Uh, one of whom was an agent who said, "Here, let's have a let's have a look at it." Cool combination of, of sort of naked manipulation and just sheer dumb luck. <laughs> uh, hey, that's always a good way of doing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was your what was your first novel you did? Looking at kind of your history, the Narrows, I'm right? Yeah. The first novel it was called uh, first yeah it's called the Narrows um, and that was picked up by uh, Snowbooks, um, who were one of the few places that were accepting unsolicited manuscripts at the time, um, and they read it and liked it and, and published it. And that was wonderful. And then I wrote another one for them. So and the, so the Narrows is kind of riffing on elements of, of Clive Barker and Neil Gaiman and just kind of me turning up stuff I was reading and then bridging it out onto the page um so then i wrote and the next book i wrote for them was um it was called tourmaline mm. and it was more to do with uh, lucid dreaming as a way of connecting from our reality to uh, a parallel reality and, and kind of the, the monstrous and the magical through from one reality to another so that yeah those and the, yeah, um, so the Narrows and, and, and Tourmaline were the, the, the first two I did for 
for snow books. Okay. But I kind of thought they were more sort of, never thought of them as horror. Um, I always thought of them as just fantasy, you know, or urban fantasy or dark fantasy or whatever, whatever it's called. I mean, did you kind of aim to do horror, or was it more more than dark fantasy that you kind of were aiming at? Not, not really. It was it was very weird because I mean, I was so um, so I so there I was, and then Tourmaline, and then I wrote a sequel to Tourmaline for 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 Snow Books, and then after I wrote, oh, and I, I thought I'm just going to write a trilogy because that's what you do. Don't you? Mm. You're writing, you're writing kind of parallel other world fantasy. You write a trilogy. So I was I was I was starting on the third book, and and then I got an agent. Mm. And my agent Ian, he said, um, "Well, we have no publisher is going to buy the third book in a trilogy in the first four, um, so we need to do something. Need to do something new, something you know, something original." Um, so I wrote Heckless Children, which again at the time I was it, it was very sort of influenced by uh, Robert Holdstock and that kind of darkly English magical fantasy set in woodlands and sort of ancient Anglo-Saxon and prehistoric rules and myths and legends and those kinds of mm. things. And it had it had horror elements in it. It had this kind of this, this demon creature called Arg and Frankenstein mummies. It was like mummies cobbled together from other... And, and, and those kind of elements mm. um, which would be sort of horrific. Uh, but it, it didn't strike me that that's what I was right because it had glowy swords in it as well, and so you read some of the reviews of it, um, and half the people love it because they don't know where it's going. Where well, the book doesn't know where it's going from one thing to the next. It's a horror, it's a fantasy, mm. and the other half of people hate it for precisely the same reasons. Um, and so when I when that got picked up by uh, Titan. Mm. Uh, the first conversation, first conversation I had with um, with the editor about Eckler's Children was when uh, when I was told that uh, we're going to sell you as, as literary horror. Okay, that's what I haven't heard before. Literary horror sounds sounds like I've got to be clever and scary <laughs> as opposed to just scary. So yeah, I thought okay, well let's let, let, let's go with that. So Heckless Children was was very again in that sort of like dark, sort of fantastical genre. And they, they, they offered me a deal for two books. Mm-hmm. And the second book was The Hollow Tree. And that was when I started to think, okay, they're, they're expecting with horror tropes, you know, a, not, not a tick list, that's it. You know, they're, they're expecting something more sort of people would recognize as, you know, horror in inverted commas. Yeah. So, so I wrote The Hollow Tree, which is about ghosts and, and the spirit world of the dead, angling more towards the territory that I thought people were, were looking mm-hmm. for. And then they picked me up for another two books. And the Plague Stones um, was where I kind of first time I, I genuinely sat down and said, "Right, this is going to be a horror novel. This is going to have medieval undead peasant zombie black plague, mm-hmm. undead creatures with sides running rampant around the city, and let's just and you know dial everything up to eleven and just." So, so yeah, so I didn't start off writing horror, but I've kind of ended up I've fallen into writing horror almost by mistake. Interesting route to go down, which is quite good. But then fantasy and horror are very kind mm. of entwined as well. Um, we had Tim LeBon oh, yeah. on a few, few about a month or so back, and mm-hmm. while he is a horror writer, he also did his his fantasy series as well. He's always said he actually enjoyed 
doing the fantasy side of it because it's so intertwined. We can make a, a fantasy much darker yeah. with the horror element. I, I don't see. I don't see how you can you can not see the one in the other. Mm. I mean, if you're a if you're a big fan of if you're into your Tolkien, and so that's that's where I started. You can't read the descriptions of, of Mordor and the, and the Witch King of Anmar and the, the the undead armies of of Minas Morgul marching across the land and, and, and not see that that is, mm. you know, that 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 a giant spiders for heaven's sake. That's that's <laughs> that horror. That's horror territory. No, Definitely. totally agree. <laughs> so, let's kick into. Your first bloody good read. So what have you brought us along uh, first this week? Well, since we're talking about darkly fantastical horror genre crossover things, uh, the first one is Weave World by Barker. Okay, cool. Basically, my dad got me into this. Again, this is when I would have been about 14, 15 or so. Uh, basically, my dad got me into fantasy. My mum got me into science fiction. Mm. So dad loaned me Weave World. And... And I, and I, this is, this is, uh, this is about magic and fantasy, but there are no elves or all. This is, this is, this has got some pretty, you know, strong horror imagery. Undead sisters of Orthrus Immaculata and their kind of semi undead Biblo creatures that are kind of bring and so that, that's quite, you know, visceral and nasty. Um, all kind of, blended up with stories about magic being called raptures and 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 angels standing guard over the the ancient garden of eden if that what it's called um and it was just this in, in, incredible sort of blend um of elements mm. which worked for me so yeah weave world weave world would be my my first one and it's clive barker you know he's uh Known for his quite dark, dark fantasy horror. So, yeah. Cool. So yeah. So so Weave World, and then um, then I became aware of the Books of Blood. Um, so you know those, and, and sort of, and, and again found that really sort of that that visionary sort of ambition, mm -hmm. unconstrained by you know limitations of considerations of honor or or, or even taste, you know, in a lot of cases, if you know what I mean. But no, yeah. So, um, Weave World and, and and all things sort of Arcarian. My my uh, my other podcast might not agree. He's not a major fan of Clive Barker, but that's mainly but mainly towards Hellraiser. <laughs> I I personally yeah, love Hellraiser, yeah. but you know, <laughs> I do. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean, the, the obviously the story rather than I mean the film is the film is mm. amazing. Um, I think the the, the story is obviously stronger, mm. um, but then you know, being a being a, a writer and a bookworm and an English teacher, I can play that. So, but yeah, um, yeah Hellraiser and, and the what else? Magica and Crazy Show and Everville and and again all of those sort of you know really kind of mad bonkers. Let's just see where it goes kind of story. Cool. Um, I like that. I, I like I like not knowing where a storyteller is going to take me because that's that's surely that's the that's the whole point of 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 going on an interesting journey with someone is to see something that you haven't seen before. If you're if if you're only reading stuff that you already know you're going to like because it's going to take you the same way you've already mm. been, 
Um, okay, that's it's it's a comfort read, definitely, um, and that's good in 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 some respects. Um, but other times, you want to just have your eyeballs pop something, out of your head. You're saying different, something to keep your uh, your love of the genre alive in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and genres don't survive without having their boundaries pushed and stretched and and experimented with. Otherwise, it all becomes very very moribund and and pale. Totally agree. Totally agree. So, who do you look up to as writers? Um, what who have you kind of kind of taken inspiration from of your own writing? Jeez, in in, in terms, of, I know, who, who inspires you? <laughs> it's who inspires me. Um, two two guys in particular. Um, both both dead, unfortunately. Graham Joyce and again, I come back to come back to Robert Holstock. Joyce because I mean he was he was. It's hard to hard to say whether he was. I mean, what he wrote was again sort of very sort of profoundly um, moving and fantastical, without being fantasy. If you know what I mean. There, 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 are, there are elements of the fantastical to, to what he was writing. He wrote a book called I mean, there was there was Harry, which is the standout one, but there was a book called Dreamside, um, which was about lucid dreaming. And those dreams kind of bleeding through into into the real world, and that was a very strong influence on uh, my writing tourmaline, and uh, and I think I've probably already mentioned um, Robert Holstock and Thargo Wood and and, and Lavondis and all of those those kind of related stories, which were a very strong influence on my writing of of Hankless uh, Children. Because you get, you got to understand from my background, I, I was I was born in England but raised in Australia from a very mm. early age. There was so my grandmother, who was still in England, would would send her grandsons kind of English reading that she thought by English I mean capital E English as in the mm-hmm. British reading that she thought you know um, read. So I so I got you know, things like Biggles. Mm-hmm. And um, and lots tons of Enid Blyton. I grew up on the famous Five and the Secret Seven. And Billy Bunter. Anybody ever read Billy Bunter anymore? <laughs> um, as I say, I got I got my love of science fiction from my mum, who introduced me to uh, John Wyndham. Mm-hmm. And so there was that there was that sense of of sort of like Englishness in genre fiction, which. I could only experience secondhand through imagining it, if you know what I mean, um, because I was living in Australia. And when when writers are writing about Christmas in the snow, it makes no sense to you. So that sort of so so Holdstock in particular, that that kind of European mythological sort of wild the wild woods of of the side, Holdstock oh. enjoy because. I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, I know a few people from kind of the Australian way, but horror not as big over there in Australia as over here. Well, I mean, I've, I've been living here for for twenty years now, so I mean, my my, my knowledge of Australian culture is practically non-existent. I know there are some very very good um, uh, horror writers out there. There's a uh, red one recently called Soon. Uh, I think it was Lois Murphy. Mm. I think it is, which was which is a a story about. Um, a small Victorian countryside township, which is uh, menaced by uh, a, a, a fog, a mist, a thing which which 
you know, it invades people's homes and tears them apart and then brings them back again. Um, but horribly sort of, you know, evil inside media. And most of the town, most of the town's folk have played long ago. Um, but the story is about the people who have, who have decided to stay, um, for each for their own different reasons, haunted place. And it's this fantastic metaphor for the for the kind of the the whole of a place on people in defiance of everything that the world wants to do to tell you that you can't live here. Yeah, and that's and in Australia with things like the massive droughts they've had and bushfires and stuff, um, that that kind of uh, tentative hole on, on, on the landscape is a is a is a thing, and so leads into what was the other one? Uh, Hanging Rock for the same reason, you know, about fifty years earlier than that. I don't think it's written seven or something like that. Um, again, it's about this kind of fractious relationship between sort of white European, you know, um, Australian people and this landscape, which kind of alien and unknowable and threatening so there's there is this there's, there's there's some good horror writing in australia i wish i knew mm-hmm. more about it um maybe somebody will recommend yeah, some hope so <laughs> cool so let's go into your second bloody good read what is your uh, what's your second choice uh second choice i've already sort of touched on it it's uh mm-hmm. john Wyndham. in this case it's the mid i don't hear pronounce it midwich Midditch, I like to pronounce it Midditch just because, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like that. Um, Midditch mm-hmm. Cuckoos, which has inspired all manner of, I mean, you know, Stephen King's The Dome, for example, um, you know, small village menaced by, you know, weird alien forces which seal off the town, does horrible things to them. So the Midditch Cuckoos, um, yeah, story about a country, a country village called Midditch, which um, goes under a a, a, a medically sealed dome for a, a time. Everybody goes to sleep. People can't get in. Then, just as, as suddenly as it appears, it goes away again. Everybody wakes up, except for the women who are pregnant. Um, even the old women who shouldn't be pregnant. And the children that are born from that have golden eyes and weird telepathic abilities. And they're obvi- and it, it, it as the I guess. You know, in the nest, it's a kind of a slow invasion. Um, I think the term you used to describe it was a cosy <laughs> catastrophe. Um, that was the kind of thing that, that, mm. that Wyndham wrote. Yeah, again, so this was this was this was that 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 that, that sense of, uh, of English, isn't it? And that, that's why I've sort of wanted to to kind of set my stories in a similar kind of similar kind of landscape. But of course, so there was cuckoos, but chrysalids. Um, you know, story about. Uh, telepathic children having to survive in a post-apocalyptic world where any form of mutation and deviation is seen as um, sinful and must be purged. And uh, if people can't see the the modern day relevance of that, then (laughs) I teach that one to my my year nines. And and even though it was written in what, 1957 Mm. or so, they they love it, you know, because they they can, they, they, they get it. So yeah, Midditch Cuckoos, Chrysalids, um, the Triffids, yeah, obviously, yeah. which has also been also been picked oh, on the podcast, which is which is our second Wyndham book for the podcast choices, which is which is good. Yeah, <laughs> they're in our they're in our literary literary and genre mm. of DNA. I oh, think. definitely. So, 
being a writer and a teacher must be must be nice to be able to kind of inspire students, especially as you're writing as well. I mean, do they do they know that you're that you're? Oh, it, would, it would be nice if that actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was always, you know, I was always into my English when I was kind of at school, and I, I started kind of writing when I was younger. And I had a I, I had a great teacher who, yeah. uh, even after school, still kept you know advising me and kind of going through. So cool. So your new book comes out in November, November seventeenth. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> cool, yep. Cool. I've got my dates right. Yes. Yes. It was meant to be May, but uh, this whole this you know, little thing of a pandemic yeah. happened, which which seems to have kind of set a, a stop on a lot of reading. Which you would have thought people have more time to read, and me actually buy more, which just confused me slightly. But yeah, <laughs> one would one would hope so. Uh, audiobooks are apparently doing really well. So people can't get up to. Mm. <laughs> My actual books. Okay. So, uh, so, tell us a bit about your about, about a new book, Bone Harvest. Oh, um, Bone Harvest again is, uh, yeah, it's sort of like I sat down and I thought, right, what have I, what have I done? I've had my medieval Black Death plague yeah, zombies. Um, I've had mummies and famine demons. Right, let's write a story about a cult. Um, I've, I haven't written a story about a cult. Well, let's invent, mm. invent a cult. Um, because, see, what it, what it, it wasn't as nakedly cynical as that. I've got a lot of friends who have allotments. Um, I used, well, my wife used to have an allotment um, way, way back when the kids were. It didn't last long. A lot of work out oh, of allotments. I've been there. So a lot of my friends have got them. Have you, have you got an allotment? I used to, used to. Um, they, they are a lot of work. <laughs> they're a lot of work, and they're, they're fabulous, strange places because they're these, they're these little worlds. Oh, yeah. You know, they're these tiny little self-enclosed worlds. You've got, not only have you got the whole sort of like general allotments, you know, kind of sealed off from whatever little um, uh, town or, or, or village or even city they're in, mm. but each allotment itself is a little self-contained world and, and people have their own sort of patterns and of planting and decorations and totems and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And I say totems deliberately because one of the things I've seen people... You know, decorate their their allotments with them. Very, very strange, and you know, in the, in the right kind of light, in the in the dead of night, they're quite threatening things. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen you know just just chop saw dummies in people's shed peering out of the window. Why has someone got a chop saw dummy in their shed? <laughs> you know, they're like autons. You know, I keep expecting these things to sort of wave at me. You know, so I thought I want to write a horror story. I want to do something. I, I, I don't want to write the same old. Um, you know, a cult. Oh, here's 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 a, here's a cult, and they they kill people, and, and they do something. I want to set it somewhere very, very, very normal, mm. um, where you wouldn't imagine anything remotely violent or or strange or weird or otherworldly happening. So let's let's whack it in. Let's have let's have somebody um, on an allotment who is a member of a pagan um, blood sacrifice fertility cult. Um, okay. So I was kind of thinking of um, Stephen King's Lawnmower Man, and and then I did a bit, started doing a bit of research into it, and I realised that the allotments can actually be <laughs> very violent and, and, and nasty places. They're kind of they're brilliant places to 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 um, hide body parts, for example, or, or entire corpses. Things that no one ever found. No one would ever check the allotment. <laughs> the no one ever found an allotment. You know what happens in all those sheds. You know, I mean, 
kinds of stuff could be going on. All of those those strange tools that people have with those curved blades out, they're really all just for gardening. I mean, so so it kind of spooled out from there. So then I had to think about, okay, so why is this cult? Why has nobody noticed them before? Maybe they're new. Maybe they're new in town. Maybe they're not, you know, old, bearded, wizened, quite obviously gothic, scary. Maybe they're, maybe they're young, um, attractive-looking, nice neighbours um, who've come from somewhere else um, mm. and just happen to want to make their vegetables grow big by sacrificing the souls of trespassers to it. Um, <laughs> hey, it's, so it's, yes. what, what, what good for the soil? But they are... Um... It's a it's a weird environment. I, I yeah, they're lovely. It's, don't it's, get me it's wrong. Like a, had... It's like a community which you get inside. It is like having a gated community in a way. It is, yeah, yeah. And it all and, uh, everybody and knows your business. <laughs> I think a, a lot of the places they have a little sort of clubhouses or something where um, they have a little bar and and they've got their own sort of you know sort of competitions and, and newsletters and. Mm-hmm. And, and, and things like that and it, it's it's um it's a village in microcosm you're right everybody knows everybody else's um stories you know gossip mm-hmm. passes from one neighbor to the other about oh have you seen what so he's doing and um it is it's that it's that um english village in microcosm and mm-hmm. uh, that's always an interesting thing to play with as a writer you know when when one person's got another person or, mm-hmm. or one person has seen something that that nobody else will believe. Yeah, so the, the story uh, Bone Harvest is basically about um, um, a woman in her 60s who, who lives on her allotment. Well, she doesn't live on her allotment. She sleeps in her shed. Okay. One night she sees something that she shouldn't. Um, but she happens to also be suffering the onset of uh, sort of early, early onset dementia. Um, mm. So nobody will believe anything she says. Oh, you just have one of your funny turns. Oh, I really saw this weird thing that happened. And so she sets out to try and, you know, prove them wrong. Yeah. Such a great setting to have it as well. Um, I, I have it to review later on. I'll cut that bit out. But yeah, I do have a book to review. I'm really <laughs> looking forward to reading it. Uh, but no, it's definitely a great setting to have it on. It's also, um, I believe, it's being released as an audiobook oh, cool. uh, on the 1st of December, which would All be right. good. There you go. It's so, even yes. better. And Titan's such a great company to to be promoting it as well. I, I'd love to... Titan is such, such a great catalogue of horror. Um, so you, you're, in, you're, been, you're in good hands there. And your cover art... They've been awesome. They really have. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. I mean... Uh, I, we, so... Um, Heckler's Children is kind of red. Hollow's Tree is green. Plague Stones is yellow. Mm. Uh, it's taking bets on what the colour of Bone Hollow are. I, I, I personally thought it was going to be some kind of like nasty sort of brewed purple card but it's come out halloween orange mm. which is perfect for, for the time of year it's, it's ended up being released so so yeah. yay titan hey and you know allotments oranges and that kind of colors are perfect for this time of year and on your on your allotments mm-hmm. you <laughs> i was going to say i don't i don't i don't necessarily want to scare people off their allotments i don't know whether people would actually find written enough to put them off no it's just it's it's it was just a thing to to toy with your last choice what is your third bloody good read? My third bloody good read is probably going to come out of left field a little bit. It's a, it's a non-fiction, uh, non-fiction book. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Between a Rock and a Hard Place uh, by Aaron Ralston. Uh, it was turned into a film called 127 Hours uh, with James Franco. It's Very about a um, chap who um, is hiking in Canyonlands in Utah and um, accidentally got his hand trapped by a boulder um, in this really narrow slot canyon. And he literally, you know, his hand got crushed against the wall of this canyon and he was trapped there for well, 127 hours and eventually amputate his own hand uh, in order to survive and the only thing he had to do that with was hiking gear that he brought with him mm. including a you know a knockoff leatherman multi-tool with a, with a blunt blade and <laughs> cut off his own right hand um, which you know in and of itself um, that story is, I think, you know, gruesome enough for a, for a horror fan. But it's more the sort of, um, it's more the the, the the mental journey that he goes on. You know, mm-hmm. no, he can't go on a physical journey um, because what he realizes as he's uh, as he's trapped there is that um, all of his all of his decision making, all of his kind of recklessness, his um, his kind of macho BS, I can do anything, I'm a big goddamn hero, I don't need um, anybody's help, um, has got him into this position where he, he's trapped in and he hasn't told anybody where he's going, mm-hmm. um, which is a cardinal sin of any sort of you know, outdoor adventure. always where you're going. And so the, the, the act of his hand off becomes um again a a metaphor for for cutting free of all of that uh self-destructive ideology about what it is to be a proper man and 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 that's and that's why i like it yeah so it's 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 an, it's an adventure sort of survival story which sort of hit me very uh, hard and usefully at a time in my life when parents had just split up and I was a very, very angry young man, but that anger wasn't doing anything. It, was, it wasn't helping. It was souring my relationship with with both my mum, both my dad. And I read this book and I just, and I thought, yeah, you, you, at some point you uh, say this this thing that I'm that I'm clinging on to is actually doing me more harm than good. It, it, you know, it's like a like a gangrenous hand which is poisoning my bloodstream. So it was just you know, it's okay to just sort of it's okay to not be a, a stubborn idiot and and just sort of let stuff go, hmm. and the world will continue to turn, and you'll be a better person. You know? So again, it's it's um it's a story. It's a book which I, I use in my in my uh, my courses with my with my sixth formers because I work in a boys' school, mm-hmm. um, a single sex boys' school. Because I think it's um I think those those lessons about identity, about what it is, to be, uh, what kind of man you want to grow into, are mm. important thing that I I would like possibly. <laughs> um, but yeah, also. The descriptions of him cutting through the veins and the sinews are quite nice. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, not, not, not going to take away from that. It's there's a nice bit of yeah. nice bit of um, viscera, <laughs> and that's the horror aspect of it. That's good. 
not read the book, but I have seen the film, and the film is is yeah. very very tense, very very well. It well is, done. it is. And I mean, to make a film about essentially you know, n- nothing happening, the guy is just you know in one position for four days mm. is it's quite brilliant. Um, but there's this wonderful moment where he he, he he thinks he can't get free because he thinks he, well even if I cut the even if I cut through the flesh and um, I still can't cut through the bones. I haven't got a saw. And uh, and then he has this revelation where he realizes I can use the the boulder like a vice, bend my arms so much that the bones literally snap, mm. which is which is what he does. And oh my god, mm-hmm. how could you do that? Well, you know, you do that or you die. Essentially, that's yeah. you know. So I guess in in the big sort of you know one of the big things about horror fiction is you know, how far will you go? Uh, to save your own life, definitely. It's, it's like like saw in a way. You know how how far you go to. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah, I to, suppose the only difference with, with with saw and that is that, that saw has been the situation has been set up by a human being. Yeah. Um, Ralston's situation is set up by yeah, obviously. nature. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the the psychological dynamic is kind of the same, I suppose, or at least similar. So, what are you working on next? So we've got Bone Harvest coming out in November. Uh, so what is I am, I am, as actors say, I am resting. Good. No, <laughs> um, and that which means that I, I have no ideas. No, I do have an idea. Um, I've I've got okay. So things things that are happening at the moment. I've got an idea. I'm currently tinkering with a a, a story set on a uh, in a, a small again small village, a small English coastal village this time, which is being gradually eaten away by coastal erosion. And and again, it's it's kind of inspired by that that kind of that, that Lois Murphy book soon in place, knowing that nature wants to destroy it and put everybody in it. Um, and as the as the as the, the kind of this, this series of, of storms gradually, you know, erode the village, um, things start to appear out of the ground, things that um, were buried by previous. Uh, by, by their ancestors, you know. So that's that, that's kind of where that's going. So that, that's 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 the that's as far as I've got really with it. I know I want to write something about somebody again, a bit like a, a bit like an allotment. You know, we we we, we romanticise the the seaside. I kind of want to set a story in that in that kind of place with the main character, somebody who um, is just trapped by it. You know, can't get out, uh, trapped by. Something. And then, and then horrible things happen. Um, cool. So, so yeah, coastal, coastal nastiness. Um, I've got a story. I've got a short story that's uh, I've written for Warhammer um, for the Black Library, which I think comes out uh, this Friday, the thirtieth, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun to write because I've been a big gamer for all of my, you know, ever since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And Warhammer fancy role and all that stuff. So when they when they uh, got in touch, we'd love you to write a story for us, make it please. Cool. Um, so that was fun. That's a better. And then yeah, and then the other thing is that the, the four books I've done for Titan, mm. uh, Heckler, Hollow Tree, Plague Stones, and Bone Harvest, they're being uh, turned into audio books. Very cool. I'm currently in the process of people about how how to pronounce the various strange um, <laughs> words and names of characters that I've inflicted on them. Like, how do you pronounce a word that's called A-F-A-U-G-H? 
I don't know. Um, I just, I, I, I just, I, I wrote it down. I didn't think anybody would actually have to say it out loud. Um, so now I do. So that's fun. So little bits, little bits and pieces keeping me busy. Awesome, awesome. And obviously promoting the new book as well, which is, which is, which is going to be promoting a new book, which is, which is part of what this is. Yeah, I mean, normally this would be uh, would have done the rounds of the various conventions and comic cons and whatnot, but of course all of those things have been been cancelled mm-hmm. now. So, um, so we're all just kind of you know, promoting our stuff through through screens, through screens, through your ears, and yeah. <laughs> so, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. Uh, three really good choices in your bloody good reads, and it's a. Uh, Thanks for having me. And I'm really looking forward to uh, to reading Bone Harvest. I, I love the idea, so I'm really looking forward to uh, getting that read very soon. Hope you enjoy it. I, I bloody will. <laughs> uh, so where can, where can people uh, get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter. It's, it's mostly where I hang out. Uh, I am Skippy B on Twitter. Um, I have a blog, um, which I write vaguely when the, when the spirit moves me. Um, I've put a couple things up on there for halloween because really halloween but yeah cool awesome so again thank you so much for coming on you can catch me as always over on uh, twitter at bloody reads or over on the snakebite horror cast channel uh twitter page as well at snakebite horror and you can catch me every fortnight on the snakebite horror cast um we have when this one goes out the halloween episode would have just been released and we are hopefully if we can sort out our audio issues from the other record, uh, we'll be talking to uh, Alice Taylor Matthews. Um, she is a live action D and D actress, so she's coming on a comedian. She's coming on to talk about hopefully Vivarium and hopefully Mayhem. If we don't have to maybe change what we're doing, but um, hopefully that will be an episode coming up on that one around the same time as this episode will be going live. And you can also catch me over on Instagram at Bloody Good Reads. Uh, Goodreads, I believe it's bloody Goodreads as well. Uh, I'll put it into the description because I am probably wrong about that one. Um, and also a quick shout out to our sponsor, uh, Abominable Books, book subscription service that um, supports us every single week here on the podcast. And you can get 10% off one of your subscription boxes. It's either the, uh, the smaller box with just the books or the whole set which has the snacks, the magazines and everything else inside there as well. And that is using the code bloody Goodreads. So head over to Abominable Book Club at CrateJoy.com. Uh, the description will be in the in the description box in on the podcast. I'm ruining it completely. <laughs> um, so you get the description and get the code and get the, the information at the bottom of the um, write-up on here as well. And you can also catch brand new reviews and brand new um, features and interviews over on snakebothorror.co.uk as well with me and the boys. So, uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I've been your host, Mike Goddard, and I will see you next week.